Welcome back to Season 11 of the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning Podcast, where we connect the science-based evidence behind social and emotional learning and emotional intelligence training for improved well-being, achievement, productivity, and results using what I saw as the missing link since we weren't taught this when we were growing up in school, the application of practical neuroscience. I'm Andrea Samadhi, an author and an educator with a passion for learning, and launched this podcast five years ago with the goal of bringing all the leading experts together in one place to help us to apply this research in our daily lives. On today's episode, number 326, we continue with our 18-week self-leadership series based on Grant Bosnick's tailored approaches to self-leadership that we first dove into with our interview on episode 321 just a few weeks ago. Now that we've started this series, I hope you can see how practicing and strengthening the skills that we're learning each week is cumulative. Each week, we're learning something new that builds off the prior week to help us to take us to greater heights in 2024. There is great power and self-awareness that comes along with mapping out a plan designed specifically for you, and I encourage everyone to take Grant Bosnick's leadership self-assessment so you can see the areas for you that score a high, medium, or low level of importance for you to focus on this year. Today we dive into Chapter 5 of Grant Bosnick's book as we cover The Neuroscience of Flow, which came out as medium importance for me with an orange score alongside the topics of mindfulness that we covered last week. Now what I love seeing about this topic of flow included in Grant's 18 chapters was that I remember watching pioneer in neuroleadership Frederica Fabricius presenting on the recipe of peak performance and flow that I shared on our first interview together back on episode 27, way back in October of 2019. Now, when I watched some of these earlier interviews, I remember what life was like before I had invested in a high-tech recording system. You'll hear some bugs that today AI can erase, taking our peak performance to new heights. Talking about peak performance, these days I record as usual using a Rodecaster Pro system, and then after production, AI cleans up every recording for me. Now this is new, and it's still ironing out some bugs, but it's mind-boggling to see where we started out and where we are today. We can always strive forward and improve where we were yesterday. What I remember loving the most about Frederica's first talk that I found back in 2017 that she did with high-level executives in Barcelona, Spain, was that she accurately described what the psychologist, researcher, and father of flow, known in his work environment as Mike C., that he devoted his entire lifetime to. And that is what constitutes a happy life. Mike C. from Claremont Graduate University in California 
along with Professor Martin Seligman of the University of Pennsylvania, who we've mentioned before on this podcast, set out to develop a focus on happiness, well-being, and positivity with a goal to create a field focused on human well-being and the conditions that enable people to flourish and live satisfying lives. Frederica explained this concept of flow, or peak performance, as an optimal state that occurs when our brain releases three chemicals, noradrenaline, that's released with a challenge, dopamine, that's released with anything that gives you pleasure, and acetylcholine, that's released when you have focused attention. She reminded us about learning to find our optimal level of performance by knowing thyself. Some people, she says, need a challenge to perform optimally, and I'm like this for sure. And other people, you must take the challenge or the pressure away from them to perform at their best. One person performs better with an element of threat that they perceive as a reward, and this motivates them, while another person shuts down with this threat. So to reach peak performance levels with your work, it helps to know how you reach your optimal levels best. So taking this understanding to create flow in the workplace, how can we now create this flow state with our work? If you're working in an environment that's too easy or not challenging, you'll be under-challenged and reaching peak performance in this scenario is difficult because you'll be bored. Or be careful if you're in a workplace with too much challenge where you're over-aroused, constantly putting out fires, and under high stress or pressure all the time. Over time, without balance, this person will burn out. At the brain level, their amygdala is growing bigger, and they'll begin to see threats where there are none. And Frederica reminded us to find a workplace where we can reach optimal levels of challenge. And if you look at the image I put in the show notes, it's at the peak of the curve. Boredom, or too easy, is on the left of the curve, and stress, anxiety, is on the right of the curve. But with optimal levels, or our sweet spot for peak performance, it's right at the top. It's working here where we can access peak performance or flow when we're able to get into the zone with our work and lose track of time. So what is flow state? The flow state is the experience of being so absorbed by an engaging, enjoyable task that your attention is completely held by it. You generally lose sense of time, self-consciousness, and anything that doesn't have to do with the task at hand. You can see why it's important to find your optimal level of performance for this magical brain state to occur. Think about this. When have you accessed flow? What were you doing? Maybe you've lost track of time reading an enjoyable novel, or while writing, or running. There are two activities where I've experienced this state, hiking in the mountains, or while writing these podcast episodes. I can be running through the mountains, and hours can go by before I look at my watch and decide to turn back before darkness hits, or I run out of time. Or I can sit down at my desk in the early morning to write one of these episodes and find myself still there and the whole day's gone by. 
I can easily lose track of time in both these scenarios and feel exactly what the research supports, that this state of mind is accompanied with a sense of accomplishment, meaningfulness, and positive mood. So what does Grant Bosnick say about flow in his book, Tailored Approaches to Self-Leadership? He mentions the father of flow in the second paragraph, and he defines flow as the mental state of being fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, full involvement, and enjoyment in the process of an activity we're doing. In essence, he says, it's characterized by complete absorption in what we do, performing at the edge of our capabilities, peak performance. In this state, he says, it feels effortless, as if things are flowing together. Grant mentions that we're in microflow all the time. When we look for it, we can ride it into what he calls jacked flow. We can train ourselves into flow and heighten our performance. Now we're talking. I've only noticed flow after it's occurred, and I've not been in the habit of training myself into flow. So this is going to be a new practice for me this year. Grant prepares us for flow, just like Frederica, who suggests that we find the right amount of challenge, and then says it's something we make happen. It's not something that happens to us. Flow depends on our ability to control what happens in our consciousness moment by moment. Each of us has to achieve it on the basis of our own individual efforts and creativity. We're in control of consciousness when we have the ability to focus our attention at will, to be oblivious to distractions, and to concentrate for as long as it takes to achieve a goal and not longer. And we've talked about ways to develop our higher faculties of our mind, like our will, on recent episodes, which is one way to help us to focus our attention moment by moment and block out distractions. And Grant brings us back to Chapter 4 on mindfulness that he mentions helps us to control our attention at will. See how all these chapters work together? Developing mindfulness will help us to strengthen our ability to access the flow state. So how does this state feel? Grant gives some examples from a dancer who describes flow as your concentration is complete, or a rock climber who says you're so involved in what you're doing that you aren't thinking about yourself as separate from this immediate activity. Grant shares he feels this state while drumming or designing a presentation saying that his body and mind are one working together. Now, when I'm running in the mountains in this state, it's like me and the mountains are one. I don't see what's around me, just the small area of pathway right in front of me. Or when I'm writing at my desk, it's just me, the keyboard, and the computer screen. All sounds are blocked out, and it's difficult to break me away from my desk mid-thought. I have to finish writing or the flow is gone. And my family knows when I'm in this state to not knock on my door, which will break this state of deep focused concentration. So how do we get into flow? Grant has a reflection activity to help us to practice getting into this flow state. He suggests, step one, think. When have hours passed by without you realizing it? 
and keep thinking. When did things just click into place and they felt effortless? Now observe. Once you know what flow feels like for you, notice the type of activities you're doing to obtain this state in other areas of your life. Which takes us to the neuroscience of flow. Did you know that in flow, as our attention heightens, the slower and energy-intensive extrinsic system, our conscious processing, is traded off for the far faster and more efficient processing of the subconscious intrinsic system. Grant quotes Arnie Dietrich, a neuroscientist from the American University of Beirut, who says it's an efficiency exchange of the energy in our brain. Trading the energy we normally use for resource-intensive conscious thinking activity for resource-efficient heightened attention and awareness the technical term for this exchange is transient hypofrontality. Grant also explains the changes in our brain waves. When we're in flow, we transition from the faster-moving beta waves of normal waking consciousness to the slower, deeper alpha waves and even borderline theta waves. Alpha waves are like daydreaming mode and theta waves are the ones we experience during REM sleep or just before we fall asleep, where ideas combine in amazing and unique ways. Now, when I got to this part of the chapter where Grant wrote about the neurochemistry of flow, I stopped and remembered Frederica's presentation from 2014 and the graphic I created with three brain chemicals that she listed were important for getting into flow. She listed noradrenaline, dopamine, and acetylcholine. Now, Grant cited the research from neuroscientists at Bonn University who determined five neurochemicals present during this flow state. They found that endorphins that help with pain and stress relief, norepinephrine, which is the same chemical Frederica mentioned, noradrenaline. And I'm not sure why scientists have two words that mean the same neurochemical. But anyway, it's released when we have a challenge. Then there's anandamide that regulates pain, anxiety, and hunger, and serotonin that plays a role in our mood that are all present during the flow state. Understanding the functions of these neurochemicals helps me to understand why in this state of flow I don't notice aches and pains that I have, hunger and thirst disappears, and I'm happy for hours at a time. So what are the benefits of flow? When you're in flow, I'd say it feels almost dreamlike or trance-like as our brainwaves slow down, allowing us to access these higher levels of creativity. In Chapter 5, Grant points out that in a 10-year study at McKinsey, top executives reported being five times more productive in flow. Flow helps us to learn faster. Recent research says somewhere between 400% and 500% faster, according to research by Advanced Brain Monitoring and DARPA, subjects had a 490% increase in skill acquisition in the state of flow. Flow enhances creativity and problem solving. The University of Sydney tested flow's impact on creative problem solving abilities, and in flow state, creative problem-solving increases by 430%. And the father of flow, Mike C., 
also found through his research that the people on Earth who have the most flow in their lives are the happiest people on Earth. When we're in flow, we forget the unpleasant aspects of life. Now, I knew the flow state was powerful, but until reading the research that Grant put into this chapter, I didn't realize just how powerful this flow state really is. Now I'm thinking I want to use this state of mind to make life more enjoyable and help me to develop new skills at a faster rate. So how do we get in the flow? You'll have to read Chapter 5 for all of Grant's tips, but I liked his tips on getting into flow through mental stimulation, since this is what I'm doing while I'm writing this episode. I've been sitting at my desk writing this episode since early in the morning, and I just looked at the time, and it's now well into the afternoon. I've been in flow writing for at least five hours. So how can I use Grant's tips to ride myself into what he calls jacked flow that will help me to five times my productivity and accomplish more with less effort? Grant suggests step one, pick a goal. Think of whatever it is you're working on and decide on the goal. Finish the presentation or write the proposal or for me, finish writing this episode so I can record it tomorrow. Step two, he suggests to prime your brain for flow. Next, he suggests bringing in mindfulness that takes us back to our last episode where we learned about PQ reps. Use mindfulness to filter out your distractions and maintain control with your attention. And I found it does help to let others know when you've blocked off time where you can't be interrupted. In step three, he says, think about the benefit of the goal. Why do you want to complete the thing you're working on? For me, with each podcast episode I write, record, and release, it helps me to not only implement these new ideas into my own life, but I know I'm gaining skills that help me far beyond the content. Hosting this podcast, writing and recording these episodes helps me to improve my presentation skills, communication skills, helps improve my overall levels of confidence, let alone what I'm learning from implementing these ideas myself. So think, what benefits do you receive from whatever it is you're working on? And fourth, put yourself on the edge. Ask yourself, is this challenging me? If it's not, you might not be getting yourself in that flow state. If it is, then keep working and see how far you can get. How long can you stretch your flow state? So to review and conclude this week's episode 326 on the neuroscience of flow, we asked the question, did you know that when we're in flow, we transition from the faster moving beta waves of normal waking consciousness to the slower, deeper alpha waves and even borderline theta waves, and we're five times more productive in this state. We reviewed an early episode with Frederica Fabricius where she taught us about peak performance and how to create flow in the workplace. We dove deep into how to prepare for the flow state, what it feels like, urging us to all think about when we access this state ourselves. And we looked into the neuroscience of flow, the neurochemicals that are present in our brain during flow, with some additional ones that were new for me. 
and we covered the benefits of flow that opened my eyes to how important this brain state is for workplace productivity, creativity, and innovation. The research from McKinsey mentioned productivity soared by five times while using the flow state, making me decide it was time to work on inducing flow more into my work week. And we ended with the four steps for getting into jacked flow, as Grant calls it, to give ourselves five times more productivity with less effort. We start with step one, pick a goal. What is it that we want to accomplish when we're in this state? Step two, we prime our brain for flow by using PQ reps from our episode on mindfulness and blocking out all distractions. Step three, we know the benefit of the goal, which takes us back to the deeper meaning of our why. Why are we doing what we do? And step four, we put ourselves on the edge and we must be challenging ourselves. This made me think back to something my mentor Bob Proctor would say all the time. He'd always say this, if you aren't sitting on the edge, you're taking up too much space. And I used to really think about this. What does he mean? Don't slouch in our chairs. He meant always lean in, take on difficult, challenging work, or you're wasting valuable time. And it's here I want to take us back to where we began on our map of Grant's tailored approaches to self-leadership. Look on the map and review Chapter 2 where we looked at Kurt Lewin's field theory and reflect, what are you doing today to gain momentum needed to reach those new heightened levels of performance? Then look at chapter three, the neuroscience of inspiration and reflect, how are you using people or places that inspire you to take your results to greater heights? Then chapter four, the neuroscience of mindfulness and reflect, Where are you in your mindfulness journey? Which leads us to connect the dots to chapter five on the neuroscience of flow and reflect. When do you experience this brain state and how can you use it intentionally to reach five times your usual levels of productivity in your work life? And with that thought, I'll close out this episode with a quote from the father of mindfulness who reminds us, The best moments usually occur when a person's body or mind is stretched to its limits in a voluntary effort to accomplish something difficult and worthwhile. Optimal experience is thus something we must make happen. No one is going to do this work for us. And I'll see you next week with our review of Chapter 6 on Physical Health. See you next time. If you're enjoying the Neuroscience Meets Social and Emotional Learning podcast, please don't forget to subscribe so you'll stay up to date with our new episode. While you're there, please feel free to give us a review or a five-star rating as it helps others find us. For more information on our programs, books, and tools for schools and the workplace, visit us at www.achieveit360.com. 